Hello, listeners. I want to share an amazing resource with you. It's called Hello Divorce. Founded by a lawyer and certified family law specialist, Hello Divorce can help you no matter where you are in your divorce process. So whether you're just getting started or if you're near the end but have stalled out and need help to get over the finish line, Hello Divorce can help. They provide full-service divorce support and they can handle divorces of all kinds, all net worths, and with or without children. It's completely online, convenient, and they offer you support all the way through. Their clients get divorced in one-third the time and at one-tenth the typical cost. So go to hellodivorce.com backslash beyond and receive $100 off the cost of their services. And I want you to know, Aaron Levine, who's my friend and the CEO and founder of Hello Divorce, was a guest on episode 197 entitled, Get the FYI on DIY Divorce. So be sure to go check it out. We'll link in the show notes. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. But with our children, it's just us and them. So while that seems burdensome and overwhelming, and it is, it's also the portal to go deep and to go hard on our own healing. So our children are truly our teachers to awaken within us our greatest transformation more than any other human being can do. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host and listeners. Today is what I'm going to call a bucket list day on divorce and beyond. What you all don't know is when I started the podcast two years ago, uh, as I was sitting down and setting up, I sat down and wrote out my guest wish list. And I said, hey, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go, you know, go big or go home. So RBG was at the top of the list. Unfortunately, that won't be possible anymore. But I had Brene Brown and Michelle Obama. And I had today's guest on my list. Dr. Shafali is was on my list. This is my first bucket list guest. And I just have to say how incredibly excited I am to have you here, Dr. Shafali. Thank you so much for joining me and for helping me check off one of my bucket list items. Oh my goodness. It's an honor. Thank you so much. I get so moved when we women support each other and like literally light up when we are in each other's presence, because that's such a rare thing sometimes, but it's such a beautiful thing. And I feel that with you. So thank you so much. Oh, well, and I feel that with you and I have always felt that with you. I think that is why you are on that list. 
Uh, for the very few of my listeners who don't know you, I do want them to give them a little background on you. You are at your core, a clinical psychologist, so much more, but at your core, a clinical psychologist, what has always resonated about your talks and your books and everything that you do is that you integrate Western psychology with Eastern philosophy that just so, you know, brings everything home and together for me. It's really been something that I immediately, you know, sort of gravitated to, to your writing. And then you're also an expert in family dynamics and personal development, which has so much to do with what we'll be talking about today. For listeners who don't and haven't read them yet, I urge you to go out and get, um, she has four books, three of which are New York Times bestsellers. I suspect there's a new one coming for that New York Times bestseller list. Um, the two landmark books that, that really, I think it was Oprah who called them groundbreaking and remarkable, uh, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. And we are excited to announce that tomorrow. Her next book is coming out. It's launching. It's called The Parenting Map, Step-by-Step Solutions to Consciously Create the Ultimate Parent-Child Relationship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You must be so excited to have this book finally coming out. I think so. Thank you for that great introduction. Look how nice the cover is. I love the cover. It's beautiful. This book has been a long time coming because of my own resistances to give people the concrete steps because I first needed people to understand why conscious parenting was so important. And I think I've done that, been there, done that. And it just came about very organically to the answer for many many parents' question of how do I do this, Dr. Shafali? How do I become a conscious parent? And I laid out this book as a journey to take parents on this quest to awaken to their most conscious selves. So I laid it out in 20 steps. And it's really a practical how-to manual to get from one state of perhaps disconnection, frustration, chaos, anxiety, to end at a state of empowerment, liberation, and a greater connection with oneself and one's children. And you do that beautifully. I've read the entire book. I've highlighted it as much as I can on my Kindle and have really gone through. And I have to tell you, you know, I came to parenting suddenly. I was a single woman who married a gentleman who had at the time five-year-old triplets. So I went from single woman with a dog to woman with three five-year-olds running around wrecking my house. And, and in that delicate balance also of being a blended family and being a step or bonus parent. Um, and that's when I first found your books. And I, I love that you point out the first two books really are the what and the why of conscious parenting. What What was missing for me, and I got so much from the first two, but what was missing for me was the how was how do I I get there? And that's really where you're diving in, in the parenting map. It really is a map of how to do this. And I wanted to ask you, because you open the book up with, it's not a quote, it's a little message to parents. And if I can read that, you say, this book opens, it's a wake up call to all of us parents so that we realize that our children are never ours to own, nor to control, manage, produce, or create. Their presence is bestowed upon us for one reason only, 
to ignite our own inner prophetic and profound revolution. May we all heed this call so that we can free them to be. That just, I I loved, I've read it over and over again. I wrote it down. It's here on my notes. Why did you decide to start the book with that? Because this is a call to our greatest journey in life. You know, our children have this unique position in our lives that no other human being has by lieu of the fact that we are with them from almost day one, right? Especially if we are biologically with them. So because of that unique, intrinsic, innate, very uh, inextricable dynamic, they mirror to us all the ways we still have to grow up way more than anyone else. With the other adults in our lives, you know, we can blame the mother-in-law, we can blame their childhood, but with our children, it's just us and them. So while that seems burdensome and overwhelming, and it is, it's also the portal to go deep and to go hard on our own healing. So our children are truly our teachers to awaken within us our greatest transformation more than any other human being can do. Also, children, more than any other human being, by their nature, are gurus of living in the present moment. And we've lost that as adults. So if you can, quote unquote, use your children as your gurus to be in the present moment, you will literally uncover a joy and an embodied presence unlike any other. And that's how I used my parenting journey to evolve me, to awaken me, to teach me. So I never really resented being kind of a stay-at-home mom, even though I always worked, because it allowed me to awaken to my own greater presence, which I wasn't I wasn't really present until I had a child. So if we look at it that way, it is the ushering of our greatest transformation. If we don't look at it that way, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> which is oh so true, right? Which is why where people may be who are listening right now. And you yeah. just highlighted something that I think is so, it really struck me about when I read the book. This is a book about conscious parenting and the focus is not on children. It is on you. And that yeah. comes through, you You very much share your own journey of parenting and transformation in this book. You share many an- anecdotes about you and your daughter, but it really startled me because so many parents, right, are focused on their children's behaviors and how to change what their children are doing. And the entire approach of the book is that is turn that mirror around on yourself. Well, and this is the great point of departure between conscious parenting and the traditional model. This is the linchpin X factor that traditional parenting does not cover, right? Traditional parenting tells us that we have supreme absolute obnoxious, really audacious control over our children. And we are mandated under the traditional paradigm to raise these supersonic, perfect, happy, successful human beings. All of that is a setup for utter despair and failure. It's a setup. Mm -hmm. Conscious parenting departs from that, turns it on its head and says, no, do not focus on the child until and unless you also equally, if not greater, focus on yourself. 
you have to raise yourself to be worthy of raising another human free spirit. And when you honor yourself as whole, that is when you will honor your child as whole. So it's a call to your greatest awakening. I mean, it's the most amazing, profound journey you'll ever go on. And it's also the most hair-raising, heart-wrenching, frustrating journey as well. But, but you have to see it for its spiritual potential, for its awakening potential. And uh, that's what this book teaches parents how to see it as that potential and how to use it for greatest transformation. It's set up set up in a way that takes people through that transformation. You actually do that. The book is broken down into three sections and each section has sort of, I'll call it homework for the reader um, to go through certain exercises and ways to start turning that mirror around, start delving into our own personal journey, our own personal perhaps needs and wants and wounds and, you know, places where I think we are, we have not fully grown up ourselves and where we need to be nurtured and parented so that we can then turn and nurture and parent our children. Um, and I, I I really found such value in working through those exercises. I enjoy, I it is difficult, I will say, but I enjoyed that process. And, and not everybody will include that type of work in their book. So I appreciated that. Well, that's my work as a clinical therapist and a psychologist, where I actually have to help parents in real time apply the principles. Otherwise, they just stay intellectual and they don't become practical and applicable. And that's why this book is so different for me. It's because I really want you to begin to embody these principles right here, right now. So there are 20 steps over three stages, and actually every step has practice. And every step has the embodiment of the teachings. So between storytelling, between theoretical understanding, and between my real life examples and practice exercises, you get the real 360 so that you can begin to apply it, right? We learn through metaphor and symbols. We learn through storytelling, but we also learn through practice. And this book gives you step after step of practice so that by the end of this journey, you have created the muscle of the conscious awareness that'll change and pivot you to become a more connected parent. Yeah. I always say awareness is the beginning of everything. All mir miraculous change starts with our awareness. And we go through much of our parenting journey, I think, in an unconscious state, not looking at um, the role that we are playing in, say, the conflict that we are having with our child. There's a, a many stories of cases where parents are in conflict with decisions children are making or not understanding uh, choices that children make. Are you past your divorce and ready to focus on recovery? Many women post-divorce struggle with rebuilding their confidence and regaining their identity. The most important thing to do now is to focus on you. If you don't know where to begin, I recommend you check out this course, Rediscover You, created by the team at Thrive Post-Divorce. It's a five-lesson masterclass that's like a book, but more interactive, with engaging activities, instructional videos, and a complete journal. Step-by-step, step, you will learn to identify your strengths, define your core values, 
develop new habits, and build a future-focused plan for the next great chapter of your life. So go to thrivepostdivorce.com backslash register and enter code SUSAN50 for a 50% discount. Let's face it, divorce is hard, but it is not the end of your life. In fact, it's a new beginning. Hey listeners, I wanna take a minute to share some exciting news with you. You all know my wonderful friend, Bella Gandhi, America's and Divorce and Beyond's favorite dating expert. You've seen her all the time on Good Morning America, Today Show, and all the morning talk shows. Well, two things I wanna make sure that you know about. One, go check out her website, the Smart Dating Academy website. She has tons of resources, programs, and coaching all there to help you find, as Bella says, the lid to your pot. And you may not know it, but she has her own fabulous podcast with great guests and lots of wonderful insights and tips from Bella herself. So go to smartdatingacademy.com to find both all of those resources and the podcast, or you can find the Smart Dating Academy podcast on all major podcast outlets. Stay tuned for more from the wonderful Dr. Shafali as she shares some insights from her brand new book, The Parenting Map. A healthy child, a resilient, emotionally connected child, doesn't feel the need to have accolades and trophies and certificates to feel like a human being. We do. We feel so insecure without that. So we pad our resume and we pad our lives with three cars and big basements are filled with things and that makes us feel like oh the more i have the more i am but healthy children they're not corrupted yet by that if you are enjoying this episode be sure to check out last week's show with rebecca feingloss the founder of grieveleave.com as she shares her journey from grief to joy and just what happened when adele crashed her divorce party you do not want to miss that episode I think about my divorce party as a really empowering moment of owning my feelings, owning my pride in this really, really challenging decision. My divorce party was about celebrating my friends and thanking them. It was not about my ex. I think that's an important distinction. And now we return to today's show. I I chose a few stories that you told in the book. And I wanted to just ask you just because I think they'll resonate with my listeners. They were stories that for me were like, oh yeah, I remember that happening with the kids. The first one was in that first section from frustration to clarity. And you mentioned, I'll, I'll talk it, talk about it as the quitting issue. When your kids quit something, Um, And I remember you talked about um, your daughter quit horseback riding and the piano, I think, was the other thing she quit. Um, There was a story of a young lady who quit gymnastics and her parents struggle with that. I can tell you in our family, it was also gymnastics for one of our kids after all those years and she was doing so well. And parents truly see that as something like you. the story was the one parent saying, we're here so you can help her basically get back on the the parallel bar. She's losing time here. We got to get her back on the mat. 
and you you were able to help them shift that perspective. I wonder if you could tell us a little of that story. Yeah, I, I love that story and all the stories of quitting. <laughs> My poor daughter, she really shows up as a quitter in this book. But yes, she quit lots of things. And I constantly come and face to face with parents who really struggle. And it's because the parent is so attached on the outcome of the activity. Parents are dreaming of the Olympic Games, really, and the gold medals, that they are not understanding that our children's relationship with those activities is not the same as our relationship. For them, it's a living, breathing experiment, a moment-by-moment dynamic, which resonates with them or doesn't resonate with them anymore. But from for us, looking at them from the outside, we just presume that just because we enroll them, that they now have to get married to this hobby and become professional at it. And that's where we actually turn our children into uh, being aversive to the activities. I, I've done that. My daughter, you know, still blames me because she turned aversive to horse riding for a while because I pushed her to do a competition. So we parents are looking at this as a strategic entry into college, as a strategic ambition that they will achieve, and then that'll be the hallmark of their existence. And our children are looking at it in a very different way. Now, of course, some children will become Michael Phelps, but for the most part, children quit their activities. We quit when we were young. So in that case where the parents were really struggling, uh, the daughter was struggling. I think she that in that story, she had some sort of eating disorder. She was really panicking. She was anxious. But the parents were denying those symptoms and in deep blindness to them because for them, their interest was only in the outcome and not the process. And that's a big mistake we make as parents is we are so focused on outcome-based future goals uh, that we miss how our children are living and breathing the process. And if our children disconnect from the process, we take it very personally instead of seeing it as a very healthy, robust, dynamic experiment that our children are in. So this is the ways we clash with our children because they're in the moment, we're in the future. Yeah, I love that phrase, dynamic experiment that they are engaged in. And we become so invested in their outcome, forgetting that they're not invested in it. If they want to quit, it's kind of saying to me, they don't really want to do this, but we do, we do look at it as the entry to college, the the way they're going to be successful in life. And that's oh so important to us, but it's whose definition of success as well. And it's not just whose definition of success, it's because we have identified with our profession or our medals or our achievements so much that we believe that it is to our children's benefit if they identify with those achievements and medals and trophies. A healthy child, a resilient, emotionally connected child doesn't feel the need to have accolades and trophies and certificates to feel like a human being. We do. We feel so insecure without that. So we pad our resume and we pad our lives with three cars and big basements are filled with things and closets full of shoes and coats and blazers because that makes us feel like, oh, the more I have, the more I am. But healthy children don't get caught up. They're not corrupted yet by that. But yet we we try our best to corrupt them in that way. 
I'm going to say we're trying to like shove them into that mold in that conversation or that struggle that we have with them. Um, and there's that actually sort of carries into the next story, which came from stage two of the book, which is from dysfunctional patterns to conscious choice. This story really jumped out at me and maybe because of the world I live in of divorce and and my listeners, but maybe this will resonate for them. You you have an exercise called flip it around and you tell a story of a mother who came in to, to meet with you and her adult daughter had decided to get a divorce. And in telling her mother that she was getting divorced, she also re revealed that she had suffered abuse in the marriage. And the mother's response was, at least to the extent that it's relevant here, was outrage, perhaps on her daughter's behalf that she was abused, but even more so that her daughter stayed in a relationship where she was being abused. And mom saw that as I didn't raise her that way. And that one just, I mean, I, I felt that one right in my chest. Um, and you were able to, to, I guess we'll say flip it around with mom, but what is the flip it around exercise and how did it work there? So in that story, I illuminate how, the mother couldn't accept that her daughter was abused because the mother had been abused in her past and had so suffered and had not yet integrated her suffering as her growth incentive, actually, that she did not like, quote unquote, weakness, right? So when she saw her daughter was suffering from this weakness that she herself had suffered from, but that she had plowed through, she just couldn't tolerate it. And to watch the cycle repeat is very hard. But when we, the exercise of flip it around is asking ourselves what in the other that we don't like or want to disavow or deny have we done to ourselves? So she had disavowed that part in herself. And that's why she couldn't see it as existing in her daughter. She had not truly integrated the abuse elements of her life as how they had made her stronger, how they had made her more powerful. So she was embarrassed. She was ashamed of that part in her and therefore she disavowed it in her child. We do this all the time to our children. You know, the other day I had a mother who was, uh, you know, who was always shy as a child and was an introvert and was ashamed of that part of herself. And when she saw her child struggling with that same thing, oh my God, she was yelling and screaming at her child to be an extrovert. And the child was just a sweet, shy child, but it's because she had disavowed that part in herself, right? Mm -hmm. So when we don't integrate our own shadow elements, then when they show up in the child, we then want to do to the child what we did to ourselves, which is discard those pieces of them because we discarded those pieces in ourselves. And in doing that, we actually shame our children because we shamed ourselves mm -hmm. instead of saying, wow, you are so brave to talk about your abuse. Wow, you're so brave to be shy and be who you are. I see that as now a superpower that brings you to who you are now. Instead of integrating that element of ourselves, we deny and discard that element in the other. Yeah. And, and in doing that, we really force almost our children to deny who they are because we're denying our own experience. And this is so much at the core of your conscious parenting of this map is really you start to learn as you're going through this is so much of what you need to do to be that conscious parent 
in a good parent and a, and a parent who's able to truly support your child is to heal yourself, yes. is to really work on yourself. Well, I do have to ask you about one more thing before we go. Um, because in part three, there was something that jumped out at me. Now, part three is from conflict to connection. But in that section, you talk a great deal about social media and screen addiction. And in the world that we live, I mean, I happen to spend quite a bit of time on Instagram because it's a part of my job, a part of my, my business life. But you have some very compelling points that you make about the fact that children today are just living and growing up in a different world than perhaps we did. And we need to understand that. And I know that this is something that you speak on, but I'd love to hear a little bit of that here, because I think for listeners, it will be eye-opening. We have been disparaging this current generation. You know, people of our generation disparages and scoffs at them and calls them fragile and indulged and entitled. And they are, but it's not their fault because we created this world that they now live in. So their capacity to tolerate frustration has been robbed from them by us because we've given them too much. We've given them all these apps at their fingertips. So then when they're lazy or they're just entitled because they're getting angry that their Uber delivery wasn't coming on time or exactly the Chipotle order wasn't perfect, we think they're so entitled and fragile. Well, they are, but it's not their fault, right? So we need to understand that more so than ever, because their attention is so distracted by screens and the screens and the influencers out there are acting as surrogate caregivers and babysitters, we need to step into the role of parent even more than when you and I were growing up or when you and I were raising our children, because we need to show up and be a presence. And uh, I see so many three-year-olds and four-year-olds on their screens in the strollers. And what that's doing is disconnecting the child from their own feelings and disconnecting the child from their reality. You know, my daughter is now 20 and many times I have to tell her, you know, can you please look out the window? And she's like, I have seen the same trees since I was born. I was like, you look at them again one more time. But because I'm so aware that the screens are zapping us of our ability to sit with our feelings. Nobody's sitting with their feelings anymore. Nobody is bored even for a moment anymore because we have constant stimulation. And that is, I believe, stunting our resourcefulness, stunting our capacity to tolerate discomfort and delayed gratification, stunting our creativity and our resilience, right? We have become becoming absolutely dependent on technology and needing things to be perfect and living in a very scarily artificial existence, comparing ourselves with others, you know, getting a sneak peek into other people's lives where we have no business, no business to know what other people are doing. So it's too much information and it's not a good thing. It's very hard to process and very hard to integrate. It's so natural to compare now. I compare and I'm solid in myself because I, I see this influx of people eating at restaurants or on, you know, on at this festival or that festival. And you automatically compare them with where you are 
which is bored sitting on your couch. So everybody else's life looks better, but we don't realize how vapid that comparison is, how skewed and artificial that comparison is and how, you know, absolutely baseless it is. But children don't realize that. So they're comparing themselves with everyone. And that's why our young adults are really in the throes of anxiety and depression because they're sitting around too much idle being fed other people's lives, which makes them detach from their own life. I was going to say half the time, those lives aren't even real. It's most of the time. What you're seeing in that Instagram feed has no bearing on the reality of those people's lives. In fact, most of it's been shushed and smoothed and and reframed. That really hit me when I was reading about that in the book, because I hadn't really ever thought about, you know, I, I know I, I'm a 50 plus year old woman. And I know that I can get lost down there, but you're right. You see a three-year-old child with mom's phone in her hand or a five-year-old. I was just out at a restaurant the other night, mom and dad were eating and the two kids both had their own iPads watching movies. So they weren't even really at dinner. Our children today are even more challenged, which means we're even more challenged as parents, but we do need to look at the role we play in that. Um, I heard a sad statistic today. I think it was on the Today Show talking about young girls, um, 30% report uh, thinking of suicide. And that statistic was like something like 300 times more than what it had been just 10 years ago. Well, because the pressure to be perfect is 300 times more. So, you know, you're looking at these idealized realities on Instagram, filtered, you know, surgerized, or even if it's not surgerized, it looks pretty amazing. And you begin wondering why you're so dumpy and why you're so average. And average is a dirty word now, but average is our existence and we should celebrate that. But instead, we've really skewed this disease of perfectionism. Yeah. And that takes the, takes things to a whole new level. Well, I, I could talk to you about this book. Honestly, I have so many highlighted chapters and many, many pages, um, but I know you are on a whirlwind tour. I so appreciate your taking time to meet with me and share with my listeners. And I want to encourage them all. As I said, the book comes out tomorrow, everyone. So go to your book bookseller, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whomever it might be, and make sure that you get a copy. If you are listening today, you can pre-order and get it tomorrow or get it tomorrow. I want to say the number one thing you can do besides buy the book for an author is to leave them a review, leave a review about the book. That is honestly the most helpful thing you can do. And that's what helps get this book and this information into more hands. So any last words, anything you want to share with my listeners, Dr. Shafali? You've been so amazing. So get the book. It's called The Parenting map. It's really my tool de force. I'm so proud of it. And yeah, and find many of my courses. If you want to become a conscious parenting coach, you can join my institute. Go to drshafali.com. Thank you so much, Susan. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to get my hard copy in my hands tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. 
You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.